Hello, welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. It is a full Brother, Brother, Brother podcast today, and we are celebrating love in music. We are talking about couples who have been, are, or used to be in love, and uh Kind of, kind of playing off the uh, recent publication of Chris Franz's uh, memoir, Remain in Love, documenting his 40-plus year marriage to Tina Weymouth and their success as a rhythm section for the Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club and the poster children for staying married in a, in a climate and a world that doesn't, doesn't always support those kinds of uh, um, fidelities. So... Uh, yeah, I thought it would be kind of fun. Um, this is my own 25th wedding anniversary uh, to my wife, and I thought it might be kind of fun to to sort of go through and and think about some of the um, and talk about some of the bands that are built on um, couples, get built around couples, relationships, and those that have fallen apart when the relationship fell apart, and then lastly, those that fell apart but the musical uh, union was so strong that they were able to persevere. So. I guess when you're talking about Tom Tom Club and Talking Heads and Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth, you're, it's almost like uh, what Iggy Pop is to uh, punk rock. They're sort of the grandparents of cool. And, uh, you know, I can say that with, I think with some certainty at this point. I think they are grandparents. Um, but who else comes to mind when you guys think about uh, couples and bands? Jer? I think, uh, well, first, congratulations on 25 years. It's uh, quite a feat. And, uh you know, the Talking Heads thing, I actually listened to the, the Sound Opinions um, episode from July 30th, which I thought was quite interesting. And uh, But a band that always pops into my head and, and a band that I think we all like a lot, I've seen live, you know, maybe as much as anybody, is Yola Tango with uh, Ira Kaplan and Georgia Hubley. And that's a band that kind of like... Um, you know, Talking Heads, Chris France and, and Tina Weymouth and Tom Tom Club kind of have this like you know sort of laid back they're not flashy people they're not you know um kind of in your face rock star personalities it, it almost seems like a, a suburban couple making a lot of noise at times and then also some quiet beautiful melodies but you know just have a creative partnership that seems very in sync and uh you know um very stable i'll say <laughs> some others and that, i think i think other than other than their bass player, James McNew, I don't think they have children. So they're kind of like the, if uh, Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth are the grandparents, I think uh, Ira and Georgia are like the cool aunt and uncle. Yeah. Of the, or the uncool aunt and uncle, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there's a bunch, you know, the Cramps, um, Matt and Kim, you know, um, uh, Arcade Fire is a, a current kind of massive band with Wynn Butler and uh, Regina Chessain. How do you say her last name? Is it Chessain? Chassane. Chassane, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a few of those. It's, it's a unique thing in the sense that, like, um, and I, I've not been in a touring band, but I certainly have, you know, studied and read and watched enough documentaries on bands. Um, and, you know, there is the sort of Trouble Boys, Wild and Crazy, uh, you know, kind of touring schedule debauchery, but there's also a lot of monotony. And I think a lot of, you know, you're with people for, a, a, creative people for a long period of time, was that monotony um, or monogamy? <laughs> monotony, and then in some of these bands' cases, apparently monogamy. But who knows? Um, you know, you're you're 
just boredom and kind of like, you know, to spend that much time with anybody. Um, I think that it could be in some cases, obviously in, in yours when probably like pretty nice to have a companion along for the ride. Um, and some not so nice apparently. Yeah. Christian, I know that you are, uh, um, I mean, you're in particular, I thought of you when I, when I thought of your favorite rock and roll drummer, uh, Stephen Morris, uh, from New Order, who's managed to stay together longer with his wife, who's also in the band, Gillian Gilbert, uh, than, than they were able to stay with Peter Hook. So uh, who, who stands out to you? You know, it's interesting. When you, say, uh, when you say, you know, bands that are or that contain couples or, or uh, you know, that, that sort of puts, um, that's, that's formed around a, a marriage, it's, it's funny because I think so often the um, couples that come to mind in that context are actually uh, are actually the ones that for one reason or another have you know made headlines um, for breaking up right and and so um, you know I, I guess the, the the point is that the first two who came to mind to me were the white stripes about whom there's always been like some kind of confusion or curiosity or mystery are we um, sisters are we lovers or myth making <laughs> yeah exactly um, and then of course sonic youth who for much of my life uh, were the sort of core I think you know the, the core group that, that exemplified this until one day they weren't so um, you know, yeah, they were the mom and dad originally. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, they, they certainly post-date the Talking Heads, but at the same time, they were so sure, you known could be cool as a, and as like part of a you know, you could be like parents living in a neighborhood somewhere in the burbs, somewhere in Western Massachusetts, whatever it was, and like st- still be a you know absolutely bitching, like touring rock act, um, which is yeah. just so interesting. You know, it was it's, it's such a. It's it's like living two so completely much more, different lives, except they made it I feel, simultaneously. Like you know, they, they somehow made it seem completely and utterly normal that you would do those two things. Yeah, and they were so intrinsic. I mean, they were so identifiable as not only the front people of Sonic Youth, but kind of the the front couple of the New York music scene forever. Um, even after they moved to Northampton, I think they were sort of still the the you know the prom king and queen of. Of you know the indie rock nerds. You never ever talked about them separately, you know. Um, and I think, like Sonic Youth, it was always Kim and Thurston. You know, it was there's a you mm-hmm. know it just was kind of this thing that you sort of went together, you know, which is interesting. And then I think that was a, that one was a shocker to people, right? It was, Absolutely. You know. Yeah, and um, and then I I I think the you know the quintessential sort of pop music uh, couple here that's that's managed to you know that was that was uh, sort of formed within like the the context of their of their celebrity um, but but seems to sort of sustain and thrive throughout that of course is Jay Z and Beyonce like they both were mega stars prior to um, you know prior to to coming together and, and getting married um, and and yet you know y- you sort of realize like uh, how solitary possibly that level of fame could be um, and, and sort of you know it, it's it's always been a fascinating to watch as who you know two people who are basically a very private couple um, mm-hmm. I think you know as as some of their um, as some of the sort of like ebbs and flows of their marriage kind of spill over into public life. Um, yeah. Well, I mean this, then that of course bears mentioning on the, on the heels of, 
Um, you know, Dr. Dre's very uh, public divorce, uh, which is unfolding in the press right now, you know, sort of, you know, given that he's made billions of dollars, um, you know, post or outside of music, but also, or, you know, within um, technology. And then also Offset and Cardi B splitting up, um, which is also to a you know, sort of a today headline. Yes. Uh, well, in, in, you know, in every imaginable way, it's like they're the perfect example of, of um, artists and, and couples who, like, were, you know, uttered in the same breath as Jay-Z and Beyonce, and it was just like, all right, you know, I, I, I sort of feel like uh, two people here have a little bit more staying power than the others, but maybe mm-hmm. we could all be surprised. Um, turns out they don't. So well, it, is, um, it is funny. I mean, because a lot of the couples that I have written down are, are relatively young. Um, so, you know, it remains to be seen. But, it, you know, like the, you know, tennis, a band that I really like and put out one of the best albums, I think, this year is one of those bands where, you know, the couple is the backstory for the band. Um, you know, them going sailing for seven months and writing an album about it um, is a very cute and and you know whether i i don't doubt the sincerity of it or the veracity of it but certainly you know it, it reads very cute when you're doing press um it sounds it's a it's a perfectly you know pr friendly story um you know but then you get people like the sundays who were big in in like the late 80s early 90s and um much like patty smith and and sonic uh, Fred Sonic Smith, um, you know, they had a few babies and, and quit playing music. And, you know, that was Patti Smith's MO. She she went, you know, she was a peak of her powers as a rock star and, and had a few kids and, and decided that that was her priority, which is, I think, pretty cool. Do you think that there is a genre that's more conducive to this than another? So I'm thinking specifically of the... Of of the fact that, like, so many, you know, historically so many um, country acts have consisted of uh, a sort of husband and wife duo. It's just been really, you know, it, I think partly it's because of the, the narrative tradition within that genre that it sort of fits and it allows for a lot of duets and it sort of, um, it, it might, like, I, I think it could yeah. benefit the craft a little bit. Yeah, exactly, or the, or the art. Well, um, the, it could just be a matter of convenience. Uh, it's funny you say that because uh, you know I've, I've been I'm a big Casey Musgraves fan. I think we all are, and uh, Casey Musgraves just put out you know two three years ago put out Golden Hour, which is a very very um, open hearted love uh, you know I'm in love album. Um, she recently announced that she's getting divorced. I have no idea who her husband is, but we can look very look forward to her breakup, breakup record. Yeah, um, exactly. And that is kind of the mo. That that is the land of country. I mean, you get your, um, you know, your uh, John, Johnny and June, uh, which is a you know sort of forever love story, both second marriages. Um, and George then you Jones. get your Glenn Campbell and Tanya Tucker, George Jones, Glenn and, Campbell and, and Tanya uh, Tucker. You said. Yes. Yeah. Then Gar- um, where, what, Garth Brooks know, and Trisha Yearwood and uh, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw too. Yeah, but those they stuck together, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You get the other Glenn side Campbell that's and Tanya Tucker and George Jones and uh, Tammy Wynette are are like the famous volatile yeah. couples. The kind of uh, 
you know, fall in love, get drunk, get divorced, get back together, or in Glenn Campbell's case, all over you know, again. fall in love, <laughs> do mountains of cocaine with Tanya Tucker, get divorced. Uh, remember that you're still in love every time you get to rehab, reconnect, and, uh, you know, rinse and repeat. I think, to your original question, Christian, I think in that genre of, of country, just to not, you know, go down the rabbit hole too far with country, but you also just in, you know, it's kind of like geographic in, I think, time period, too. You have, um, you know, in general, my friends in the South got married a little earlier and things like that. It's just culturally a little a little different, I think, um, which lends to marriage. But I don't think there's any, like, formula for a genre that actually where it works better than the other I think like anything you see in movies or anything else it seems to be you know one person gets famous you look at like Jenny Lewis and Blake uh, Senate like I don't know if they were married or not um, but I know they were no but they were and kind of formed uh, Rilo Kylie and, and you know she obviously became the star I don't even know if that's why they broke up but like you know there's that kind of one person merging ahead of the other um, scenario and then you I think too there's like a very uh, time period I mean I feel like I think when you we had some notes floating back and forth and there's the Fleetwood Max and the you know kind of uh, ABBA Ooh, yeah. story that it I just remember that music so paralleled with all of my friends parents getting divorced you know <laughs> because it was the soundtrack yeah. and those couple, those bands were getting divorced at the same time too you know so it's um it I think weird. it's 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 more, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any like correlation with genre necessarily, or, or I think touring is brutal. I think fame fucks a lot of people up. Um, I guess it maybe it's the bands it. that don't make it that big that seem to be kind of on that level that, you know, is, is successful and, and, you know, um, provides income and things like that, but more stability. It, it could also just be the, the like visibility kind of bias, right? Which is the, you know, you're, you're, because the songs themselves are stories about being married sometimes, um, you end up being a little bit more aware of it. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. you probably could go through your entire life not knowing that um, uh, the, you know, the band members in Big Thief were married. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that it, it's just, it's the nature of the, the, the lyrics and, and the music itself doesn't really... Um, doesn't isn't isn't quite as forthcoming about that um and then of course you have yeah as as we already mentioned sort of the the jack and meg white ultimate ultimate showmanship and um uh you know sort of on and off stage um which lent itself to stoking as much possible curiosity around this question as possible um but big thief i think you know gets to another really interesting question which is like uh, whose whose musical relationships survive the um, you know s- survive breakups? Because um, there are definitely a few examples out there, right? Oh yeah, more than a few. Um, you know, some of the ones that you know, I mean, some of the more tumultuous breakups. I'm thinking now back to the '70s and people that I hadn't even written down, but like you know, Rita Coolidge and Chris Christopherson, Sunny with Sunny and Cher. I obviously have written down Ike and Tina. Um, you know, the really tumultuous, ugly stuff. And then, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of bands that persevered through, um, you know, a post breakup. I mean, Megan Jack White didn't hit, didn't make a record, I don't think, until after they were divorced, correct? I think that's right. Um, or if they did. Or so they uh, say. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think the, the vast majority of their career, they were just, um, just, uh, 
sort of sort of friendly and um, I mean, and sorry, no doubt's biggest hit was on about their breakup and that was post breakup, yep. right? Uh, Tragic Kingdom, yeah, was yeah. Um, what's his name, Canal, uh, Tony Canal, yeah. But also that, you know, they, they had that video for Don't Speak where, you know, she's getting all the attention and, and that you know, that sort of illustrates the point that Jared just made about, you know, this sort of disproportionate amount of uh, attention that gets paid. I think that was the undoing of uh, Dale and, and Terry Bozio from Missing Persons to a degree, um, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, more of those than I can than I can think of. But, uh, you know, Sonny and Cher certainly were like that Ike and Tina where the you know in each of those cases you know where the woman becomes a much bigger star and the the sort of universal question is what the hell is she doing with him right yeah no there's that you know there's that always that group that you know um you know you're just like when is that person going to go solo and so does yeah. the record industry <laughs> and they're pushing yeah. that very I was strongly reading. I was actually reading, um, I don't know if you guys ever read the number ones column that Tom Bryan does. I do not. For Stereo Gum. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that column. Um, yeah, no, it, one, you of, know. one of our favorite, uh, one of our favorite writers in, um, uh, in music journalism today, for sure. Yeah, he, he was doing, he just did one on Careless Whisper. Um, and, you know, Andrew Ridgely and George Michael were not a couple. But um, it was just talking about how that album or that single was alternately billed as Wham, and then in America it was Wham fe- featuring George Michael, and then ultimately it became a George Michael single. Um, you know, all after which, and it was ironically enough, and thank you for doing this research, Tom Bryan. Um, ironically enough, it was the only song that Andrew Ridgely co-wrote on "Make It Big." Nice. Yeah, so just completely got swept away by the the star, so to speak. But um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac's a good example. Although they, you know, they imploded more than once. Um, and uh, but their biggest album was, you know, I mean, yeah, all these bands send a fade or something. But their biggest album was them imploding and and you know very dumb. Oh yeah. And, um, I never knew the Arithmics and Stewart and um, Annie Lennox were a couple. I had no idea either. I assumed it when they came out. Um, I was, to, you know, I found out I was incorrect about that. Turns out they had been a couple before they ever became a band and were never a couple as a band. So it was kind of, you know, one of those, um, you know, one of those ones where the breakup or the, you know, whatever the nature of the relationship was long uh, cooled. One, and, you know, I think he just knew a, a great singer when he when he heard one. Um, How have we made it this far into the episode without mentioning X? You know, Christian, I was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, We've got yeah, the bands. <laughs> I've just sort of been bracing yeah. for it for the last uh, last twenty five minutes, so I figure <laughs> why not? <laughs> you mean? I'm sorry. Do you mean the greatest American rock and roll band X? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah um, that was the one I was referring to. You know, it's funny because when they were young and, and you see it in like uh, Decline of Western Civilization, there's so much, um, you know, such a bond there. And, you know, it's funny when I read John Doe's book, because, you know, I always think of, of John Doe as being like a, a really cool guy, very good looking. And, and Xene is, is this very appealing, eccentric 
But, um, you know, John Doe was definitely the, uh, or Exine was definitely the alpha in that relationship. I mean, she was, uh, you know, she dictated uh, what what stayed and what went. And she and John Doe were, were I believe, they were split up by the time um, More Fun in the New World was being made, or was cut, at least after it was out. I think they were already splitting up. Um, but they were married. She went, and then she had a baby with Vigo Mortensen while they were still in, in the band together, and they continue to put out new music today as a couple. So it is, um, you know, it can be done. And, uh, you know, they seem to get along fantastically well still. Um, I'm sure there were some rocky moments, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones, as you said, Gwen and Tony from No Doubt, um, Smashing Pumpkins, James Ehan, Darcy Retzky, although nobody in that band seems to like each other ever. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, that seems Well, some of, marriages uh, are like that one. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I have heard. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you've ever been witness to any of these, but, um, uh, yeah. I, I believe that this podcast is living proof that sometimes things just don't work out. Yes. Um, <laughs> the other, I'm trying to think of uh, of other like pretty noteworthy groups I saw. I, oh, well, Sleater Kinney. Uh, yep, absolutely. Maids of State was uh, was one that sort of put that pretty front and center. Um, and a uh, beach house, right? Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's Yacht, you know low. Yeah, um, I think it's it's interesting that it it's. I wonder if there's a um, you know again sort of thinking about the the terms that make it a little bit more conducive. Um, you know, indie rock, particularly the journeyman um, indie rock bands that sort of. Uh, that sort of treat this as a career, um, you know, I wonder if there's, they're more conducive perhaps because, uh, it just, it's, it's, there's less of a dividing line between real life and, you know, stage life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, you know, and I think it's a, it's the family business eventually. One, another spectacular breakup we forgot to mention was the Richard and Linda Thompson one, which I was sort of researching, uh, as part of this, I I hadn't realized that their um, relationship and their coexistence was as bonkers as it was because their music is, I mean, I love their music, but it, you know, uh, you know, you, they chronicled their own breakup, obviously, on Shoot Out the Lights, but, um, you know, I, I didn't realize that her behavior got so wacky in the uh, 70s or that they had lived on a commune and given up all their worldly possessions at one point. Yeah, they got a little weird so. and... Uh, it's kind of a bookends, right? Turn on the bright lights and shoot out the lights was the last album, which is yeah. the sound of it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a you know you can cap a marriage through that through music, but um yeah I think I think you hit on something there, Christian. Prior to it is kind of becomes a family business, and I think there is like that's kind of what I meant when I said sort of I don't mean low level, but I guess like when it's all encompassing. Um, and the, everybody's like you're working, you know, kind of working for it. Another one we forgot was Super Chunk, right? Like Mac and um, oh yeah, and they have a what's God, Laura Bowers. Laura, yeah, thanks. Yeah, like very successful label but together, she, and she stopped touring with them, but still records. 
and they were together. Oh, no, she, I, I, I thought they. I thought she was no longer in the band, but I, I do know you know. No, she yeah, is she does a, all the uh, bass on the recordings, and then um, you know they have a, a touring bassist. Yeah, that's another success story. So there you go, Merge Records. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, it, to me, it was kind of an interesting um, thing to contemplate because, it, you know, there are, have been, I mean, the Mamas and the Papas are another band where, you know, they sort of exploded spectacularly um, with, you know, the dynamic being Michelle and John are married. Uh, Denny's in love with Michelle. Cass is in love with Denny. Uh, Michelle and, and Denny hook up. John and Michelle split up. And uh, that's a big fucking fiery mess right there. Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody's everybody's pleased that you're here to chronicle that because I'm not sure that that Jeremy or I would have been able to uh, <laughs> to get that story straight. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's and and again, Jefferson um, Airplane too, right? I think there was, but I my recollection of of Jefferson Starship and Jefferson Airplane and Starship was that Grace Slick. I think was married to Paul Cantor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, but I think but also, any, uh, like, sleeping with everybody, which doesn't Yeah, help that was my from impression. The, it was the, That was like a free-for-all. I have, I, have a, I have a theory I'm going to throw out there. Um, <laughs> being the, the divorced brother on the pod and, and when celebrating 25 years, you also, at time periods, like I said before, so 70s and things like that, you know, it had to have been pretty damn hard to stay married in the sexual revolution of the 60s, I imagine. And then you've got a generation of kids whose parents got divorced, and I think there's like a wave of, of you know, things come in cycles. And so I do have a, a thought, you know, just as we kind of look at some of these indie bands that would have been children of the the parents of the 60s and, and things and, and you sort of have that kind of like revolt against that in a sense too mm-hmm. you know where it's like a generational thing whether you're in a band or anything yeah yeah i think that's, that's how we came right. up with the millennials yeah they're now the the millennials are the children of the divorce uh families so it's um yeah, we'll see how it works out now. Do I mean, uh, Christian? You know better than I. Are there, are there any other than Big Thief who are sort of emerging? Are there are there any other bands that that you can think of that are sort of predicated on on these? Any any up and comers or? Well, I was I was going to take a moment to talk about Avril Lavigne and Chad Kroger from uh, Nickelback. <laughs> actually, well, they're, they're working out. Please, well. please, everybody, get your passport out. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're going to Canada. Yes, we are heading to a to a mall in suburban Edmonton. Um, put on your mall sweepers. <laughs> um, yeah, put on your mall sweepers and your uh, and your and your hockey gloves. I think um, you know that seems to be just the perfect uh, couple. Really, the cultural ambassadors of Canada. When you think about it, I think that yeah, I think that speaks volumes but they or seem to be staying together if prince harry and Meghan markle aren't the cultural ambassadors of canada <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, nice yeah no i mean they do they do seem to be staying together i guess it's um some kind of uh i think they link some kind of wallets and back. <laughs> some kind of homicide pact <laughs> There's, there are a couple of those weird crossover couples. Matching tribal tattoos uh, that you can't get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and hemp bracelets. Yeah. Um, 
But there are there are a couple of those like cross cross pollinations. I mean, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton. Um, you know, you get a. Um, who was I thinking? Of? Oh, uh, uh, Johnny McCauley and and Vanessa Carlton, um, and of course Mandy Moore and Ryan Adams, which doesn't seem to have worked out as well. But um, you know, sort of some of the it worked uh, out for her. Some so of the good, pop. good for Mandy. Yeah, good to good to escape. But uh, yeah, some of these more you know sort of uh, crossover things that that happened, um, where uh, people marry outside their genre. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and, and end this thing the way we end everything. Absolutely. Okay. back to Brother, 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 where today we are talking about successful couples in music and also a few unsuccessful couples in music and a few successful couples who have successfully made really shitty music. Um, but uh, we are now going to wrap up the podcast and uh, I will hand it over to Wyndham to do the honors. Um, what are you listening to? I was going to ask you the same question, but I guess I'll go ahead and, and answer. Um, I gave uh, a, uh, an inaugural spin to the new Fleet Foxes album this morning, uh, The Shore, and I liked it very much. I haven't really listened to them uh, since uh, Hopelessness Blues came out um, with any regularity, although I, you know, I know they had a, an album in between Crack Up, but... Um, you know, it really is. That guy has a beautiful voice and a, and a real ear for melody. And, and you know, for the first time in a long time, um, I'm going to recommend an album where I usually throw in a, a TV show or a book. But I'm also going to throw in a, a TV show. Uh, HBO's The Vow, which is the uh, multi-part documentary about the Nixium um, sex cult, for lack of a better term, um, is pretty fucking interesting. Speaking of happy marriages. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That guy is happily married. He just to a can't lot get enough happy marriages. Yeah, yeah. He just has that is it is a it is a disturbing story. Um, yeah, that's on deck. I, I might even start it tonight. Yeah, 
and look out in a couple of months. My uh, my co-producer Clay Tweel is and uh, Shannon Riggs are coming out with uh, um, a multi-part documentary for HBO on on Heaven's Gate called um, the famed uh, Heaven's Gate was suicide the in black Nikes. Nikes, yeah. It was the everybody everybody remembers it as the black Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that was that one. So that's coming out in a couple of months. So it's, I um, have to say um, that is actually something you you learn about in business school from the standpoint of how to distance yourself from a really unfortunate publicity event. Um, <laughs> like Nike spent a lot of money trying to figure out how to get out of that one. How do we airbrush? Yeah, I'd that love to see. Swoosh. I'd actually. I'd love. I'd love to know what like General Foods did with Kool Aid after uh, <laughs> yeah, after Jonestown because bottom shelf uh, little <laughs> small uh, little known fact uh, it was actually cut rate Kool Aid it was Flavor Aid that they Ooh. drank in Jonestown nice Christian what are you listening to so I would uh, I would also point to um, the next same documentary is something I've I've seen lately and really enjoyed. Um, otherwise, uh, I, I really took to Lovecraft Country. I know it's been um, it's received a fair amount of attention out in the, the press. I was n- not honestly, I was not um, uh, really sure what to what to expect. Just because I, I tend to think that um, you know horror is hard to pull off in pretty much any context. Um, it's you know, not necessarily a, a natural fit for for horror genre to also sort of bill itself as as something that's focused on um, you know social transformation and, and like cultural progress. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, for for whatever reason, the the tone just it, it just works. Um, and, and I think this is uh, this is like you know the the horror doesn't seem sort of dopey and cheap and um you know purely based on jump scares it seems like there's some degree of uh of sort of symbolic mythology uh, heft. And, yeah. yeah and and sort of um I, I think in in that sense like as a as an as as an episodic you know uh drama like it it actually does a really good job of sort of capturing um uh the you know, type of, of, um, symbolism and, and, uh, you know, sort of metaphorical, um, uh, statements that, that Lovecraft himself, you know, made in, in his writing. And I guess that he's a, um, he's a, you know, in, incredibly, uh, good short story writer. Um, I think regardless of whether you would traditionally gravitate toward that sort of horror genre, um, but definitely recommend, uh, definitely recommend that everybody give it a shot and, and that nobody, you know, is sort of turned off by the, um, uh, by the, by the fact that the show bills itself as, um, as a, as, you know, something, the sort of genre fiction. Um, that said, uh, probably, you know, it's, it's actually a little, it's, it's like a little scarier than I expected it to be from a visual standpoint or like more graphic or, or, um, violent than I expected it to be. So, um, and loud. And loud, you said? Yeah, it's funny because I've been watching it myself and um, and Polly's not watching it. And so she's like, Gee, you know, it's got his... I, I'm, I'm just... It's made me conscious of, of the sort of uh, volume of the show. It's the, a very... Is it um, mixed poorly? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. A strangely mixed. No, but I, th- I don't think it's mixed poorly. I think it's mixed for maximum um, effect, for maximum build. Hmm. And um, you know the lead, who I think is fantastic, is a very soft speaker, 
and then you know the the you know when things get fantastical it gets extremely loud it's a i i second your opinion i think it's something i never would have been drawn to and think is really excellent yeah exactly it's it's um it it could not describe itself in a way that would that would turn me off more quickly but uh mm-hmm. but and you know and yet i i sort of um yeah i gave it a gave it a shot and i'm really glad i did Jared, what are you listening to? Um, I have watched one episode of Lovecraft, and I'm gonna kind of continue on that road. I, I, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Watchmen in a weird way, and I'm, I think maybe you called that out, Christian, when you recommended it. Um, in general, I moved recently, and I, you know, did what everybody does, and like, you know, scaled way back on all of my TV services and then football came back and I immediately have shot my bills way back up <laughs> to get sports back. So I somehow, belong, you know, have a sling and uh, Hulu, you know, things that I didn't really need or want. But um, I've actually really been enjoying the NFL being back. I, you know, I'm a big football fan. I think we all are to some degree. But um, I don't know why. I, it's always been a better sport to me on TV in general than live, especially these days. But I kind of was skeptical of the um, of the no crowd thing, um, and I don't. It's just way more watchable than I thought it would be, and, and I think the level of play is better too than I thought it would be. But um, you know, there's definitely like the Seattle New England game the other night where you know a stadium like that is pretty noticeably quiet. Um, you know, it actually sounded like what Gillette normally sounds like <laughs> out here, which is quiet and lame. But um, at the same time, I, I just it's. Yeah, they've done a nice job. It's, it's way more watchable than I ever thought it would be, and it's been fun to kind of just jump back into sports and and feel a little normal. Um, and, yeah, that's really kind of it. I've been, you know, just on a taking advantage of all the new all the new subscriptions I have and watching as much sports as I can. I, I kind of held off until playoffs and things like that for basketball until NFL started, and uh, I'm glad that I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happily forking over the dough. But it is crazy how many of these little subscriptions you end up adding up, whether it's HBO Max and Sling or, you know, just to get, like, you know, kind of piece together a puzzle. So hopefully we'll be able to consolidate that one day. But, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, should we flip to throwing a song on the playlist? Yes. Yeah, why don't you go ahead, Jeremy? All right. I will uh, start. Good to have you back, by the way, Christian. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nasty Nas's New York State of Mind. Hmm. Nice. Like Christian choice. Uh, Wyndham, you go ahead. I gotta think about this. I'm going to uh, stick with the theme of today's show and actually the stars of the theme of today's show and go with the uh, the um, first dance at, at every hipster wedding uh, with people of uh, you know people of my age and that is Naive Melody by the Talking Heads. Great song. That is a great song. Um... Hmm. It's a pretty song. Yeah, I'm to- so I was actually thinking about going with something in Have we ever put Over and Done With by the Proclaimers on there? No. No. I don't think so. So I think that's uh that's that's gonna be my my like the chanting Scottish proclaimers? Yeah, I don't know. 
Is it that? What was their big hit? 500 Miles. Miles. Is that the same band? <laughs> it is. I can't stand that song, though. I hate that song so much. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't put that one up. <laughs> Or yeah, it's good to know that they have one that's good. Um, <laughs> if it's good, it's good. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, no need to change. I'm just glad it's not that one. I was no, no, no. That's one of my least favorite songs of all time. Um, <laughs> have we put "Get Lucky" by Heat Miser on there? No. All right, then we're going with no. Heat Miser. We were talking we're about that "Get Lucky" by Daft Punk. All right, and we don't have anything off the "Get Lucky" album by Loverboy either. Um, all right. Let's uh we'll catch up soon. Good luck everybody and uh I will yeah, talk to you all. Oh thank you very much. I'll talk, talk to you, you guys later shortly. Talk to you later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer Damian Kendall and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.